The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMalder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week on Head and Hardware Conversations, we're talking to Oscar Montoya, whose pronouns are he, him. He's an actor, writer, improver, podcast host, and you probably know him best from the most recent HBO hit, Minx, which I recommended as a blind date a couple months ago, um, on which he plays a queer photographer for a pornographic magazine for women <laughs> or people who enjoy penises. So hi, welcome, Oscar. I'm so thrilled to have have you on the show. Hi, Sierra. I love you so <laughs> much. I have to tell you. Okay. So just quick backstory for our listeners. Oscar went to school with my older sister. And so I've known Oscar like peripherally, peripherally. There's yeah. a thing on my show where I mispronounce words all the time. Um, <laughs> so, you're just creating new language. That's all you're doing. Exactly. Oh That's Ooh, what I always tell damn. her. Yeah. Oh, it. Anyway, so... <laughs> I, I I can't I I can't lie like there's like this little sister in me that's like oh my god I'm talking to my big sister's friend you know what I mean like I feel very cool right now <laughs> That is very funny because I remember one time I I went to see I I've, I've been to a couple of your shows um and I remember hanging out with all your poet friends and being like am I the coolest person right now I think I am <laughs> and just being like overwhelmed by how intelligent like vulnerable i mean the way that you carried conversation with your friends i was like oh, oh my god 
Oh, that's it, you're hilarious. just incredible. Also, like if you oh. haven't seen Sierra perform, it is oh next level. It's unbelievable. You're, you're such a so you're kind. such a talent. You really are <laughs> such a talent. You're so unbelievable. Oh, I bought thank two you. of your books. Like uh, it's just like oh. I I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with you. So this is oh a my treat God. for me. This oh is my God. Treat. This is a treat for us. And I'm, like, I'm a fan of yours too. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna text my sister and be like, I'm talking to your friend. You know, and I did, I did steal your pants when you were in 12th grade. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, so we're thrilled that you're here. Um, we're thrilled to talk about you, your work, and your fucking amazing show, Minx. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, like pause this show, go binge it. It's on HBO. It's so good. I literally told Sam to go binge this fucking show. Yeah, I binged um, it in anyway. two days and it was oh. very easy to binge. So, <laughs> oh, it was so good. I'm so glad. It was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like very fresh for me because I watched it. <laughs> I watched like all I watched it in with... the last two days. <laughs> I watched it both with my mother and my mother-in-law because we watched it right after my daughter was born. Two different times. I watched it twice, just so you know. Um, but I'm really lucky that my mom is cool and my mother-in-law is chill as fuck and laughed out loud at so many different things in the show. So um, anyway, <laughs> before we that talk about the honestly, show... That's like the best compliment I get when people are like, I have even introduced it to my parents. And that yes. to me is like, if you can... <laughs> If you can introduce a show about penises and erotic magazine to your parents, you're good oh, yeah. in my book. You've won. Oh, it's I will just say so that good. <laughs> I share an HBO Max account with my mom and she had already watched it by the time I started oh God, watching that's... it. So <laughs> that is so good. That is so my mother good. all by herself on her lonesome in her house was like, yeah, I'm going to watch show about, yeah, about, <laughs> about pornography with all of these penises in it. And apparently she loved it because she watched the whole thing. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oscar, tell us, Minx aside, just first give our listeners like a little background into who you are and what you do and how you got to this place right now. Yeah, sure. So like I'm a, I'm a comedian, uh, actor. Um, I started my performance life as a dancer. I, I, uh, I was a contemporary dancer, uh, and I had a dance injury, uh, and, uh, I was sort of like at a weird point in my life where I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really mm -hmm. dance professionally anymore. Um, and, uh, at the time, like right before the injury, I also struggled with like stage fright um, mm -hmm. and like performance, like anxiety stuff. So, um, my friend named Christian Jacobs, who went to SUNY Purchase, which is where I know Raya, um, told me that, uh, he was like, Oh, have you thought, thought about taking improv classes? And I was like, improv? No, I'm not a funny person. Like not at all. This is not something I do. Like comedy is a weird, no, no way. And he's like, no, I think it'll like loosen you up and it'll make you more comfortable with yourself. And I was like, okay. So I took that class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York and uh, was very intimidated by it because everybody was like, <laughs> I want to be on SNL. And I was like, I just want to learn how to talk to people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, was super, super, super intimidated by that scene that I sort of took a break from it. But I, I became obsessed with improvisational theater, this idea of like how people can come up with stuff on the spot. To me, it felt like magic. 
So um, I used to like just go to every single show and analyze every single improv show. And then after a full year of not doing it, I was like, I think maybe I should like tackle this again. And I went to a different place called the People's Improv Theater in New York and it absolutely clicked for me there. And yeah. the rest mm. is history. Like because of improv, I was able to have confidence in myself as a performer and sort of like mm. lean into me as a comedic performer, which is something I never thought was like I could do. And it led me to, uh, acting and doing comedy full time. And yeah, now I'm now that this is like what I do to make a living, which is yeah. a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> I'm living a dream yeah. life right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, before Minx, like once a year, I'd see you on a commercial and be like, I know that person. <laughs> you know, like, I know that person. It's so surreal. Commercials are, listen, commercials are great. They are, um, they're, they, they, they pay. <laughs> they pay. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. So, That's what I've heard yeah. from my fellow actor friends. Yeah. No, every mm-hmm. time I see one, I'm pumped for you and your, you know, actor wallet. My bank account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Um, well, you and I don't go back in the same way that Sierra and you go back, but, um, I told you this a little bit before we started recording, but my husband is a huge fan of you, um, and all of the podcasts that that you do, um, (laughs) loves drag her, which is your drag race podcast, um, and has listened to you on comedy bang bang and teacher's lounge and all of that stuff. So, um, I feel a little starstruck in like a different way than Sierra does, but I'm just like really <laughs> glad that you're here. And so like is, a surrogate so starstruck for <laughs> yeah, absolutely. your husband. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, but beyond that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Minx and what your role in that was and like what it was like to play that role? Oh, yeah. So uh, on Minx, I play a character named Richie, who is who was a... Um, so, okay, so Minx, like Sierra said, is a show about Joyce Prigger, who is sort of like a feminist on paper, who, um, <laughs> you know, she's she's a, she's a first world feminist, which means she comes from privilege and yeah. uh, her perspective on uh, feminism is like a very skewed perspective. And so she's trying to make a magazine, a feminist magazine, The Matriarchy Awakens. She doesn't have much luck because it is 1972 in Los Angeles, uh, a time where women's rights were sort of just like scoffed at. Uh, she meets this guy, Doug, who is uh, sort of the king of the titty magazines, as we like to call, <laughs> uh, which is just sort of like, you know, cheesy, sort of like erotic magazines for men that feature women. Uh, and they team up to make the first erotic magazine for women, which is, uh, yeah, a lot of naked dudes. And I play Richie, <laughs> who um, used to be a makeup artist for these quote-unquote titty magazines, and uh, then became the photographer because no guy wanted to take pictures of penises. And uh, my character steps up to the plate to do that. And uh, <laughs> the character goes through this really interesting journey throughout the season, which is he's discovering himself as not just a photographer, but as an artist and Mm -hmm. what that means in order uh, when it comes to his self-confidence and uh yeah sort of stating that he is an artist despite him taking what's seemingly just naked pictures of men you know that there's Mm -hmm. more than just like nudity it is an art statement and uh yeah so that's like a nice little transition that richie goes through on the show um Mm -hmm. and playing that character was like I mean, I'm the luckiest person in the world to play that character. <laughs> it's so 
nuanced, you know, like, you know, here's what I'll say about playing like, as a gay person playing a gay character, there is that fear of sort of having people write this character as a two dimensional Mm -hmm. sort of stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of fear in me of like, oh my gosh, is this just going to be like the sassy gay? Yeah. Hey. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the little Mm -hmm. peripheral gay character that has that sort of like turns off when the protagonist is out of the room you know right but right yeah because of the brilliant mind of the showrunner and creator ellen rapaport she put so much love into all of the characters on the show and she mm. was able to create like a three-dimensional character for richie and uh yeah richie was able to have like an emotional stake like uh a whole like episode dedicated to Richie, which, yes. I, you know, mm-hmm. typically you don't get. Like, I've played characters in, bun- in a bunch of stuff, and I've never gotten, like, such a great textured character like Richie before. Mm. And it was such a treat to play to play that character. That and that fun. is true of all the characters on the show. I Absolutely. feel like they all have such mm-hmm. rich um, emotional worlds, you know, and you can really tell that that love and care was put into not just their writing, but their acting and, you know, the costumes and everything. And I think what's cool about the show Minx is that it's not just about Joyce sort of realizing that her, like, she's like, oh, I have a very limited view of what feminism is. And like, she like learns a lot about herself, but like every character sort of has that space. And in 10 episodes, half an hour, that's like not a lot of time to have these like, <laughs> yeah, incredible sure. arcs that happen on the show. And every character has moments like that on the show. And I, and totally. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, almost like Orange is the New Black, how Piper was this like white tra- Trojan horse, you know, for people yes. to actually like, mm-hmm. other storylines. She, uh, Joyce's character does that, but in like a less abrasive way because he's a likable, (laughs) unlikable protagonist and the other, the supporting characters were so rich and so rewarding that, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I liked orange is new black, but like it, I felt like it just was such, so well balanced. It's such a great, well, well well balanced show. Yeah, so, absolutely. I like I'm thinking about the fact that there were so many scenes with you and um Barbie and Tina, I think was her name, right? Like who Yeah, Bambi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Who were like three supporting characters, but you all like had a bunch of scenes together where you had like real conversations and like it was which is not typical of of shows that feature like a straight male and a straight female white protagonist to have right. like such a richness of the supporting cast to be like yeah, absolutely. And these people have rich lives too, and they have their own conversations. And it's it was awesome. It was it was just really well done. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because one of the big things that I noticed about this show that was different from other shows is that like a lot of the sort of um the other char- you have your leads, right? And then which I would say is Joyce and Doug, Jake Johnson and Ophelia Lovibond, who are incredible comedic geniuses. Um and then you have the other characters, which always, which typically, if this was like a another show, these other characters would only benefit the protagonists. But mm-hmm. like 
we have our own things going on. These people don't feel like characters. They feel like real people that have mm-hmm. existed, that have formed friendships before mm-hmm. Joyce even yep. came to the picture. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I think the show does a really good job of, of doing that, of being like, yeah, there's history between these people. These people are not just co-workers. They're friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. definitely. Rapid fire, other things that I loved about the show <laughs> to get to my next point. Uh, the <laughs> casting was just so perfect. Like you oh, are gosh. Richie and Richie is you. Same with all the other characters. It, it, casting was so spot on, so enjoyable. Everybody crushed their their roles. I love mm-hmm. watching a show in which you know people like are just great at their jobs, you know, and that was true of the costumes. Oh my God, the costumes, oh. <laughs> the, the, the editing of the show, the pace of it was so good. So sharp, so fucking funny, laugh out loud, funny. I watched the first episode alone and then my wife came home from work and I was like, you have to watch this again. She laughed out loud <laughs> yes. at all. I watched it again twice in one day, the first episode. Um, also, the story, the the arc of the story is like simultaneously familiar, you know, like this unlikable protagonist learning, but also likable learning these lessons um, and also new at the same time, putting like women's erotica and, and pleasure to the forefront Um and it's also like a workplace comedy, like we've seen that done yeah. before, but in this mm-hmm. totally new setting. Um, and also dongs, penises in your face, <laughs> full frontal nudity, which I know forget? is the most, you know, it's the most <laughs> so, like um, sensationalized part of the show. Like that's like what the memes were about and the conversations were about. Right. But it was also like, an, you know, unfortunately a new and um not very often seen thing. So it became sensationalized. Um, It's like a bummer that it was because it's like, okay, well, just like penises, you know, and I've been seeing tits on my screen since I was able to watch PG-13 movies. That part, right? Exactly. (laughs) Um, I was actually like somewhat disappointed to learn and I feel mixed feelings about this because I think people should be able to like wear Merkins and have like genital privacy and stuff. But I was somewhat disappointed <laughs> to learn that there was like prosthetics involved because yeah. I was like, I want nudity equality. I want, you know, but then I'm like, labias aren't like hanging out on my TV screen, you know? So like, I respect, I, re- I changed my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I'm no longer pissed that there are fake penises, but there's also t- plenty of real penises. There's and to my real point, penises. there is great penis penile representation too. <laughs> diversity, yes. There's, there's so much diversity, diversity in shape and size and and everything. And I think that's so good. Honestly, like Sam and I, Sam always hears me talk about this, but we answered a letter about somebody who was like struggling with their small penis and it really like called me and Sam in and called our whole community in to be like, we need to fucking stop the tiny dick jokes. You know, we need to... <laughs> Um, we need to start practicing that radical body positivity that we put Absolutely. on other women, probably like white women, you know, and mm-hmm. and put it on our genitals, put it on, on men, put it on non-binary folks. You know, like it. I that episode changed me, that letter changed me, and I loved the representation of penises in your show. <laughs> Thank you for t- coming to <laughs> my <you>. TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Spencer just texted me. Well, this episode is definitely called Penile Diversity. <laughs> I love <All> right. it. <laughs> anyway, penises. You want to say anything about that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is there a question? Or did you just want to talk about how much you loved all the penises? Both. Okay. <laughs> yes, and. It's something I learned in improv, right? <laughs> There you yeah, go. there you go. No, but <laughs> yeah. what I will say too is that, like, you're totally right. It's weird that, like, in this day and age, people are freaking out about, like, just seeing penises on TV when we've sort of just become zombies about, like, looking at the female body and, like, looking at them and, and not even blinking an eye, not even reacting in any way. Women's bodies have become so commodified in media that it is just like looking at a lamp in a living room, looking at a wallpaper, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there it is. You have that like inequality already. The fact that like this rare thing of seeing a dick, like I want to get to a point where like looking at a flaccid penis on television is just fact. I mean, like, yeah, (laughs) we're just made out of flesh, you know what I mean? And it's, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. You know? Totally. I totally Yeah, agree. no, it's interesting to like think about the fact that the the magazine itself, Minx, was like so sensational because it was showing penises. Mm-hmm. And then also like the fact that this show shows so many penises was also like a sensation. Oh my like, God, that's so Everyone true. was talking about it. Like I had seen all of those penises before I watched the show just <laughs> from like <laughs> Twitter and stuff, right? Like people were like talking about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just funny that like they're, even though we're what? now supposed to be 50 years removed from 1972 like we're still like oh my god penises can you believe they're like out there we're looking at them (laughs) and not just the penis stuff i mean the political climate that we're currently in there's a lot of things that are happening especially with the female body in minks that is very relevant today you know and it's, it's it's a little crazy to do the show And especially in the finale of like, you know, storming the Capitol and storming bottom dollar productions, like how Mm -hmm. that's all similar. It just, you know, there are, it's still relevant. And it's been, like you said, 50 years ago. And yet it's nothing has really changed, you know? Yes. For sure. Absolutely. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I 
love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right, Head and Heart Workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. This is going to be an abrupt change of tone. Um <laughs> But uh, and an inappropriate one. <laughs> welcome it. I welcome it. <laughs> uh, Sierra and I both have very big crushes on Jake Johnson, and uh-huh, we just yeah. wondered uh, what it was like to work with him. Is Sam he as charming as he as he first seems? Right us? Does he want to be my wife and I's third? You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, not to objectify him in any way, but, um, but absolutely, unfortunately, is he is he as charming in real life as he is uh, Jake on television? Is like, unreal he's unreal he's unreal he's (laughs) perfect in every way he gets he was the dad on set you know what i mean like he was constantly looking out for all of us making sure we were all okay we were like making sure we were all comfortable like jake had our backs at like because he realized that the show is really about these characters coming together Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. really bonding so he he knew the importance of that and like treated us all with respect and love like I love Jake with all of my heart and he's the kindest, the nicest, the funniest guy. Um, and like, yeah, he's cute as hell. He's very, attractive, <laughs> especially in those clothes. Like how did oh my he God. makes, he makes those outfits look Please? so freaking good. It's, it's yeah. actually annoying. I'm like, Jake, really? You got to look good <laughs> yeah. in this outfit too. Really? <laughs> yeah. But like, if we're objectifying, Jake Johnson, I also could objectify the entire staff. 
I'm mean, staff. Oh my god, a cast <laughs> oh, yeah. staff. Really? Yeah, true. Yeah, the staff's um, a lot of the workplace because yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody looked so good. Everybody looked so amazing, and you like vibed as a family. You vibed mm-hmm. in your costumes, um, and you were just like glowing your best selves. Like you were all so gorgeous on the show. Absolutely. Um, my objectification is not just limited. No, of yeah. course. Yeah, we objectify everybody. Yeah. Hashtag objectify everyone. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's, I mean, a big uh, shout out goes to our costume uh, designer and wardrobe person, Beth Morgan, who found these amazing pieces. And ta- I mean, it just felt tailor made for each and every person on the show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like, she makes every piece of clothing feel so special to the character. And I love when a costume designer reuses clothes, but it still feels very fresh, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, yep. on the show, I wore, like, two different pants. Like, I wore, I alternated between two pairs of jeans, you know? Mm-hmm. And that felt so real to the character, you know? Except for uh, those white bell bottoms, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, those white bell <laughs> oh, of course. The sailor outfit, how can I forget the iconic? The sailor thing. outfit was iconic. When you it's showed so up, iconic. That, that I was like, iconic. this is exactly what I needed. Thank I you so much. Say, <laughs> I felt so bad, and I wish I had the wherewithal while we were shooting it to show. I was wearing the most amazing white platform shoes that they were like oh. there were huge platforms and inside was clear plastic and there was a goldfish inside of those platforms oh that's amazing and they were they were my favorite <laughs> piece of clothing and we never got to see them and i was like oh, oh i wish we had a oh, shot no. of those shoes yeah. yeah just to know that the detail was hiding there under your flare though exactly is a testament to the show so the listeners <laughs> will know <laughs> that there were cool white platforms with <laughs> yeah. goldfish inside of them got the inside scoop mm-hmm. um Speaking of like that scene and that costume and just like the the boss energy that you all brought to that scene, I actually like in preparation for this, like watched some interviews with you and the rest of the cast. Um, and I saw in an interview that you said that Richie's character made real life you feel more confident playing him. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you know, I have always growing up have dealt with a lot of like confidence issues and a lot of self-image issues. I kept battling with my weight my entire life um, and dealing with like, you know, just like the way that I looked and a huge fear of mine, especially like after, after I booked minks, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to wear the tightest clothes I have ever worn Mm. in my life. I'm going to show my body in a very like unflattering an unforgiving way. And I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of panic before we started production on the show of just like, mm-hmm. okay, like I have to be okay now with showing skin, which I never felt yeah. comfortable. I'm typically the guy wearing super baggy clothes and like just trying mm-hmm. to hide my body because I never felt comfortable in my body ever in my entire life. You know, even as a dancer, when I was like rail thin or whatever, like never never really comfortable or confident in my body. And the more I got into the skin of Richie and like living with Richie, Richie's storyline has never been about looking a certain way Mm. or feeling like less than even, even while he was taking pictures of these 
Adonises, literally these like chiseled six, these beautiful, beautiful men has never, I, and I love that the show never like talked about like, oh, I have a different body than these men. Like that's mm, not an issue. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like Richie was not phased by taking pictures of these perfect men while his body isn't quote unquote perfect. It made me realize like, why am I making such a big issue about my own body when Richie feels so comfortable? A big part mm. of Richie is like, he's, he's so confident about the way he looks maybe not about the way he is as an artist and that's a storyline in the show but like never once was he like i look fat i look ugly i look weird you know like he was Mm -hmm. fully just like i'm gonna wear tight ass pants and my body is what it is and i love my body and he made me realize that i need to like embrace the body that i have and love it and Mm -hmm. and it changed it's changed the way that i that i look at myself honestly wow yeah that's so powerful that is. I'm curious about Richie's storyline, right? So you talked a little mm-hmm. bit about like the the coming into his artistry. Um, but I think it's really interesting that this is a show that's sort of ostensibly about women's rights, women's empowerment, and like feminism. Right. But there's also this like very, I think, wonderful undercurrent around yeah. queerness as well. And I'm curious, like what what do you think the show is trying to say about queerness? Or as you were playing Richie, like what what were you also trying to say about queerness sort of in the context of this show and sort of the place where we are right now? Yeah. Um, I think that there's a, a very important element of celebrating queerness when it comes to radical, just the ra- a radical movement. I think mm-hmm. queer people have always been the foundation of any sort of movement. Um, the, uh, the gay rights movement of, of the sixties of the late sixties wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for lesbian organizations like the lavender menace that were very mm-hmm. active in, in protest and, marches and the same thing same thing with that second wave feminism of the 60s too like Mm -hmm. queer women were very uh, were a huge element to that and i think when it comes to richie richie is inadvertently changing the female gaze because (laughs) you are watching these naked men essentially through a gay man's lens literally Mm -hmm. so He's able to subvert sort of like, first of all, the straight white gaze. And like when you look at sort of pornography at that time, and even today, it's all done through the straight cis male gaze, right? Right. Very little, especially at the time, very little was made through the female gaze. And even less was made through a gay man of color's gaze. And Mm -hmm. The success of Minx is the articles, but the reason why the women reached for the magazine to begin with was because of <laughs> right. Richie, you know, yeah. of Richie's, yep. the way that Richie um, portrayed the male figure. And it wasn't, it didn't feel like icky or gross or objectifying. It celebrated the male body and, and women were able to appreciate that. They were able to look at the male body in a way that wasn't fed to them before. And I think mm-hmm. that was possible because of Richie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so 
I think we've talked about minx enough. I mean, I could talk about it forever, literally. I'm just sitting here thinking like, well, I guess I should talk about relationships or something. But so I know, so I, like Sam said earlier, like we know you're a big fan of drag race. I know um, that you uh, just in general, consumer of pop culture, fan of it or critic of it in any way. (laughs) So, and this is hypothetically a show about relationships at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple months ago on Sam and I's uh, Patreon, we did a couple episodes where we would review the health of the relationship featured in like popular shows or rom-coms. And at one time we even did like, lo- we rated the relationships or the health of the, of the lyrics in love songs, Ooh. you know, and you'd be surprised by like how some of my favorite songs, you listen to the lyrics from the perspective of like a unqualified non-professional relationship advice giver. <laughs> and you're like, man, this sounds toxic as hell. Like you're yeah. going to give, a, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we could just, um, maybe rapid fire or not so rapid fire. Think of some things like, uh, what is a relationship that you can think of right now? Um, what's your favorite relationship in pop culture off the top of your head? Ooh, that you okay. either that... either enjoy or like love to hate sort of thing. Ooh, love to hate. Okay, so <laughs> I'm I don't know why this is the first thing that popped to my in my head <laughs> because I truly hate this show but can't wait can't <laughs> I wait so excited. recently had a conversation and this is why because i li- like yesterday had a conversation with my friend who was defending this show and i was like this feels this is a toxic relationship <laughs> i um, can't wait <laughs> and it is it's it's the show glee oh my god yes uh, okay i'm ready glee. i'm ready um, mm-hmm. and it's yep. it's the it's you said um, it's glee like like that wasn't like the number <laughs> one yeah, i don't know who's, it's like this really know, tiny glee. It's, it's a like little show I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's a little show no one watched. It's called Glee. Um, it ran for a couple of seasons. Who knows? Six yeah, or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you said it to two gay people who love musical theater. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, the show is fun because it's like stupid and silly, but I think inherently irresponsible in the way that it, it, it like talks about like, first of all, sexuality and uh, teenage love, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, like, inherently the character, Leah Michelle's character, is is toxic on purpose? Mm-hmm. Question mark? <laughs> I'm not sure if that was the intention, but I, to me, I read her as incredibly toxic. But she, like, dates the guy who is, uh, you know, the lead. I forgot what the name of the character was. But the entire relationship that she has, she does, she pulls some really, really shady stuff where like, she's like, we have to be seen as the, the it couple. Like it just seems very performative, a performative relationship, which, you know, maybe in high school, that is what happens. Maybe you date someone for social relationships in our twenties and thirties. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have something called like a clout relationship, which is something that happens. It happens in Hollywood. A lot often, uh, very, very often, where you start dating people because they're. Yeah, what's it like to popular. date in LA? Do you date in L- oh Do you God, date no. and are you in LA? <laughs> <laughs> I live in LA and I don't date, and it's because I live in LA. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so like for me, I'm always very sort of like uh, triggered by people who like I see on media who are like, I'm dating you because you're blank, you're famous, or because blah, 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 because it's 
the right thing to do, you know? So like mm-hmm. for me, that sort of relationship is no toxic. Don't like it. Mm-mm. But it, it happens, right? Cause like we get letters Absolutely. from people who are like, I started dating this person and I really like him and he isn't what I thought I would be with. Like he doesn't have the job that I thought he would have, or he doesn't look the way that I thought he would look. And it like causes people crisis and they, Drive. they like feel yeah. really bad about it because they're like, this is so shallow and so stupid. Like, why don't I like this person? But it's like, if what we get taught is that the couple we should aspire to is yeah. Liam Michelle and Corey Monteith's characters. Oh, in so, you're, Creed, so you're a fan. Then like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, then like, of course we have these weird preconceived notions that our yeah. relationship should be like status worthy because that's like our formative years. We were taught that we should be like pursuing people who like yeah. up our cred, <laughs> which is like, is there, is there a formative, is there a show or, or a song or something about relationships that you saw when you were younger that was formative to you in that way? Hmm. That maybe either hardwired you for good or evil, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like growing up, I, as like a little gay boy, I never saw, <laughs> mm-hmm. I never saw like queer relationships and or queer relationships that thrived. To me, according to media, gay people were um, just funny, disposable characters Mm. that didn't Mm -hmm. have any love connection. I'm thinking of one in particular, like my so-called life was so formative as Mm -hmm. a queer person digesting media because um, the character of Ricky, played by Wilson Cruz, who is my idol, uh, because Mm. of that reason, because I was like, oh my God, I'm finally seeing me on TV. But like that character never had any like... Yes, he was gay by the mannerisms, but you wouldn't know because he never had any sexual desire at all. It was like mm-hmm. a eunuch in some way. And, and that's what mm-hmm. gay people were presented like in the 90s, eunuchs. They never had any mm-hmm. like sexual or like they were sexual deviants. You know what I mean? They were like mm-hmm. all perverts mm-hmm. or killers in movies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that were <laughs> right. punished severely. Uh, so for me, growing up, I was like, oh, straight love, because uh, I'm not straight. So like that doesn't really apply to me. Queer love is non-existent. Yeah. Doesn't exist. Yeah. It's not real. Like, what did I watch that, like, had queer love? I didn't I didn't see it Were you all. one of the million queer people who had, like, a, a breakdown but when you watched Heartstoppers? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Because I, I was yeah. like... Fucking, we... <laughs> what? Sam and I needed to... Sam and I and our entire audience <laughs> needed... Needed to go to therapy over that fucking show <laughs> because it was so beautiful. Those fucking cartoon hearts. How dare they? It is. I, I mean, a show like that is so important, I think. And it shows yes. mm-hmm. where we are right now. Like, I'm so lucky. You know, I'm going to say this. I never in a trillion years thought that queer visibility would be this visible in my lifetime. You know, yeah. yep. and wow. what a what a treat to be able to see shows like Heartstopper and like just like normalize. And Minx, I mean, I mean yeah, and your, and your and character Minx. on Minx is that's right is not a token one dimensional queer character, right. and you get to have desire, and that's you true. get to have like an arc and growth and friends, and you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think yeah. it was going to happen in my lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. And what a joy to see like the youths be a lot the youth oh my god i sound like a 
It's okay. Youths. I mean, I youths. am. But the youths, uh, you know. Uh, but like the younger generation sort of be a, at least aware of the queer yes. experience, you know. Yes. Maybe not consuming it or digesting, but just aware of the queer experience and being so much more in tune with like, especially like gender, pronouns, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sexuality, you know, like mm-hmm. I never thought that it was going to happen ever, yeah. ever, 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 you know? Absolutely. And it's interesting because it's also like, it has created its own realm of like issues that young people are going through as well, right? Like we get letters all the time about people's identities and their experiences Absolutely. of them. And like, it's amazing that people now have like all of these options available to them and we have Absolutely. like words to describe it. And it's also like, how do I pick? Like, what do I know? How do yeah. I know? Like, and it's yeah. it's interesting to see that like, at least when I was young, like the, the consternation was, I know I'm this thing and I know it's bad, mm-hmm. right? Like people are telling me it's bad over and over again. And there's still for sure some of that. And lots of people are experiencing that as young people, but it's also like, there's a new iteration of, of angst that's like, right. that's coming up for folks around like, Absolutely. I don't know what I am and I don't know what the words are and like all right. of this stuff. So it's like, it's, it's interesting to like, be older and look back and say like, oh, young people aren't going through the same thing that I am mm-hmm. while also being like, and they're going through an entirely different thing that's causing them a lot of questions and a lot of mm-hmm. like, a lot of uh, pain and a lot of Absolutely. curiosity. And it's, it's, yeah. it's fun to like, listen to that and to be able to experience that too. Like, I'm so thankful for our letters because it means that we get a glimpse into Absolutely. the queer experience in a way that we wouldn't you know, just only hanging out with people who are like in their thirties and have gone through very particular experiences of queerness. I was also going to say that, like, I think it's very important to, you are saying like, there's a lot of like pain that comes with that, but I think pain is inherent when it comes to identity, right. Of like, seek, like rummaging through your experiences (laughs) and being like, wait, who, what am I? Who am I? What? So I'm like, to me, I love that people are doing that work because it is work, that pain, that work at an earlier age than me. And also I think when it comes to being queer, I think when I was growing up, queer was about community. Like I I think a lot of my pain Mm -hmm. came from like where I, as a, as a gay man, where I fit into the gay community to gay culture, Mm -hmm. where I feel, whereas I feel like people, now, and I might be wrong, but this is just what I think. <laughs> I think people are going through what it means to be queer as an identity, as a self-identity. Like, because mm-hmm. culture right now is so much broader than it was before, you know, that I think it's a lot of that, like, pain of self-identification and, like, where you fit is much more of a self-journey than, like, you fitting into a larger tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's you know real. what I mean? What I was going to add too is just having this conversation with the backdrop of our earlier conversation about Minx and the 50 years and what mm-hmm. has and hasn't changed in all mm. of these realms of identity and pleasure and community. Um, I just, it's a fascinating way to tie all this together. All right. So, at the end of every one of these conversations, we ask people the same three questions. Um, and so the first one that I want to ask you is, what is relationship advice, one piece of relationship advice that you used to believe that you don't believe anymore or that you look at in a different light? Mm, I think a big relationship, a, a, a big thing growing up 
that I felt like I had to adhere to was I am, how do I change myself to fit into that puzzle piece? Yeah. You know, or, or just mm-hmm. like, you know, if you can't change someone, <laughs> you got to change yourself. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was good intentioned, I guess. Uh, but uh, also incredibly toxic and harmful uh, because it, <laughs> sure. it, it sort of like, so it sort of ingrained this idea of like, oh, I'm not good enough as just me. So I have to like mm. learn how to change who I am to fit in this relationship with someone that I want to be with, you know, in a relationship. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I clearly don't believe that anymore. And even this idea, <laughs> honestly, you know, to be frank, like the, the idea that like you even have to be in a relationship, like yeah, I think, absolutely. Like, the yep. idea of like finding a relationship with yourself to me is, mm-hmm. is paramount. It's, it's just like learning how you can become a better person for yourself before looking for somebody else to be in a relationship yeah. with, you know, and that was a yeah. th- hard thing for me to learn. Because a lot of my happiness depended on how other people saw me. Um, and there was some growing pains about me being like, whoa, whoa, I need to like not take my self-value based on how other people perceive me, you know? For yeah, sure. absolutely. And there's no like, talking about like pop culture, there's no like sitcom that we watched when we were younger that was about like developing a relationship with yourself, you know, (laughs) there was no like (laughs) Disney channel. I mean, I'm right. I'm slightly too old to be a huge Disney person. Um, (laughs) you know, like I miss the Lizzie McGuire years, Uh um, but just Mm -hmm. you watched them, right, Sam? Like there's, Oh yeah. I was peak Lizzie McGuire. Yep. (laughs) No, you were the Lizzie McGuire demographic. (laughs) Absolutely. I was, um, and, and there was like no, you know, there's no storyline for young folks to be like right. a romantic or whatever. Other people's approval of you is not is not the end all be all. Right. And that seems so obvious now. But like also like I have to remind people that I grew up during the 90s where like the Disney princesses were constantly helpless without someone to love. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Their entire goal was to be like, I want to get married and that's it. <laughs> love is, that's the biggest thing in my life, you know? So I'm just like, oh yeah, we were conditioned to live our lives for the sole purpose of partnering up, you know? Yeah, for sure. absolutely. For sure. I, I honestly, I'm debating like, you know, Little Mermaid, great soundtrack, Great am I going to show it to my child? You know, like, am I, mm-hmm. you know, this iconic, all, you know, the Disney, Disney movies from the nineties that are just mm-hmm. like the backdrop of my childhood. Right. But am I going to show, am I going to show it to her just when she like, is going to give up her fucking voice yeah, to get a boyfriend, you know? Right. Anyway. Yeah. The just first like, guy she sees. Sorry. <laughs> the, fir- the first. <laughs> Literally the first thing she sees. She's like, I love him. It's like, he's the only, oh, oh Ariel, no. He's That's hot funny. though. Uh, <laughs> I'm the I gotta say. Eric's my guy. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen him before, but. Dark hair, uh, those blue eyes. Let me tell you. Okay, pulling yeah. that boat rope. So oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And then, like, I believe he like he gets like his shorts cut off at the or his like pants sort of get this cut is off. How you the- know? <laughs> Sam was a little gay Sam's boy. You know what yes. I mean? Sam's, Sam's a fan. <laughs> he noted the the length of his Eric's pants. Yeah. You know, it's real. It's real. 
Sort of my love uh, of crepe so pants. Funny. Oh my God. Before we get into <laughs> the next question, I have to say that I that I I'm going to indirectly say that Minx almost caused me and my wife to get a divorce. And let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell you why. Four years ago, I cut bangs in my hair. It was a mistake. <laughs> I looked at my wife and I said, if I ever ask you if I should get bangs again, if I ever say I'm going to get bangs again, you stop me or else, you know, <laughs> I see where over. this is going. I see where uh-huh. this is going. <laughs> Joyce's hair is so <laughs> iconic, so <laughs> gorgeous. Can't believe she's a real human being. Mm-hmm. Like she, she is like the human embodiment of like, Roxanne from the Goofy movie, like she's just so oh. charming. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like she's got sass and attitude, and like, oh, she's just so cute. Anyway, mm-hmm. and her hair is so great. She's got these gorgeous curtain bangs, and I'm yes. like. I said to my wife, I said, I'm thinking about getting these bangs cut. What do you think? And she said, oh, I think they would look great. And I said, oh, "Oh, do you know a good (gasps) divorce lawyer? (laughs) Still thought about it, though. (laughs) Yeah. Still thinking about it. Um, Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that segment. Uh, Segue. So every show on our primary episodes, we ask, uh, we give our listeners a blind date, something that we love that we want to set them up with. And so this week, we're going to ask you what you want to send them home with. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, Listen, I, okay, I do this all the time. I I talk about this so often in podcasts that I guest in, and I'm going to continue spreading this love. Do it. There is a video, one of my favorite pieces of media is a five-minute video on YouTube. <laughs> I'm so excited. It. <laughs> it is called The Bread. And you and see, here's the thing. You can't you can't just type the bread because it won't come up because there's tons of other videos. Okay, you have okay, to okay. type the bread short film because that's exactly it? what it is. It is animated I, film. No, it's not the animated film. It is the okay, live good. action film. Okay. It's by Jerry Jackson Films. That's the person who uploaded okay. it. Got it. And it is, I'm a big horror freak. I love, I love horror movies. And I also love So Bad They're Good kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. how you get to my heart. If you show me something, a piece of media that it's so bad that it's good, I I, I will love you forever. Like, you Got get it. Me, The Wicker you know? Man. Nick Cage. Mwah. Perfect. That is a perfect, <laughs> and this is why I love you, Sierra. Um, <laughs> how to get burned <laughs> yeah. yeah how to get burned the bees stop the bees um so the bread short film is an insight to my sort of sense of humor and because it is so chaotic and terrible but it is oh, the perfect wait. piece of media and it's five minutes and it starts right away you have to like actually be paying attention as soon as you hit play <laughs> because they are not messing around they get to it real quick it's so awesome so and and here's the thing if you ever come over my house if i invite you to somewhere to to my place you are watching the bread that is that's how i (laughs) baptize anyone who's like a friend of mine like all of my friends know about the bread um so i to everyone listening all of my new friends can't wait watch the bread short film jerry jackson films it's iconic Awesome. You and my husband should be best friends because he is the exact same way. (laughs) Are you serious? Okay. Loves shitty horror films. He is working his way through through Chucky right now. Like every (gasps) time I like leave my office. Yeah, he's yeah. He just watched The Curse of Chucky, Mm -hmm. which is number six or seven. I don't know. 
But every time I come out, I'm like, which Chucky is this? Um, <laughs> Honey. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, just like this little every doll October, killing everyone. Every October they watch like a scary movie every night. Like he's into all. He, he goes. Yes, okay. Absolutely. Then me and Peter got to yeah. have a conversation because okay. I want to know. I want to know. I'll set he's you up. A, he's a great person. <laughs> all right. Next question. Uh, where can people find you and how can they support you? So that can be your Twitter, your Instagram, your Venmo, new shows that are coming out, podcasts you're on, whatever it yeah. is. Share with the people. So you can just follow me personally at Ozymo, O-Z-Z-Y-M-O, on Instagram and Twitter um, to just to find out what the heck I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I host uh, Drag Her podcast with my friend Mono. It's a drag race uh, recap uh, podcast. I also host a podcast called Inside the Disney Vault, uh, which is uh, I've <laughs> like I think three years ago, four years ago, I started a quest to watch every single Disney animated movie in chronological order. Uh, My God. And because uh, <gasps> before before I started the podcast, I've oh, only shit. seen two because I'm not a Spencer, Disney person at all. Spencer and I watch all the Marvel movies this uh, winter huh. from chronological order, but this is like. Oh, yeah. It's so, an even bigger world. It's huge. And I did that. I did all I've watched. I have watched every single Disney movie in chronological, Disney animated movie in chronological order. Then I, we watched every Pixar movie in chronological order. And now we're watching every Disney Channel original movie <gasps> in yes. chronological order, <laughs> which has been chaotic. It's been a ride. It's been a ride. <laughs> It's been a ride. Uh, so follow us on Instagram at Inside the Disney Vault or ITDV Podcast on Twitter uh, to find out where we are in our journey. Uh, I also host a music video podcast. Oh my gosh, so many podcasts. I host a music video podcast <laughs> called Podcast Killed the Video Star, where me and Mono, who also hosts Drag Her, we are on a quest to find the top 100 definitive best music videos of all time. Uh, so we discuss three music videos and we decide which one well the the people that follow us on instagram at podcast kill the video star vote for which one of the three is their favorite and we oh. put that on the top 100 music video list and it's nice. been very fun and we're almost done which is crazy uh, but yeah and also watch minx on hbo max and also yeah. stay tuned for minx season two which is should be coming up next year, um, awesome. which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, also watch uh, if you have Dropout, the Dropout app. I'm on a show called Dimension 20. So um, uh, uh, yeah, just watch that. Cool. That's awesome. Congratulations on season two and on Yay! all of this goodness. I can't wait to see what happens to Richie next season. And <laughs> it'll probably be my blind date unless it's Sam turn Sam's turn yeah. and it'll be his. <laughs> we have to like say something that we like once a week. And like sometimes we're like, ah, fuck, it's your turn. Or it's, or it's, or it's, or it's, oh, God, it's my turn. And then I have to be like, okay, well, I really like this recipe once. Um, yeah, right. You know, like half the, t half the time it's like, really thoughtful books that we love shows that we love things like that and other times mm -hmm. i mean like i've literally my blind date once was going outside <laughs> it was i think because i was it like was. hung over that week <laughs> because i was like you know like fresh <laughs> fresh air is vitamin d Listen, you know sometimes sure. i need to be reminded of that as someone yes, who only exactly. records podcasts all day every day <laughs> yeah. i have to remind myself like i have to step outside I today i, I haven't think done I stepped that outside and i was I like oh my it. god this air is healing i'm gonna say this on yeah. the podcast you know <laughs> Okay. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Oscar. This has been so fun. What I feel delight. like we could have talked to you for like 2 million hours. Um, Absolutely. Two 
our listeners, go support Oscar. Follow him on Instagram. Go check out the shows and the podcasts that he mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to stay tuned for more Head and Heart Work conversations on our primary feed every other Thursday. And if all else fails, just break up. They said it. They said the thing. <laughs>